Happy summer, everybody. I'm Pastor Kyra, and it's a privilege to come into your home today or wherever you're watching from. You know, for the past two weeks, we have been diving into a new series called Dangerous Prayers. Now, dangerous means peligroso in Espanol. Can you guys say peligroso? The secret is to roll the R's, peligroso. Peligro means danger. And you've probably realized by now that these prayers, they're not easy, they're not safe, and they're definitely not harmless. Now, two weeks ago, Pastor Tim taught us the prayer, Search Me, where he challenged us to invite God to search our heart, to go deep beneath the surface to the inner thoughts and motives that nobody else can see. Last Sunday, we heard from Pastor Nathan. He challenged us to pray, God, make me bold. Today, I'm gonna to teach you the third and final prayer of this series, and I guarantee that you won't like it, okay? It's not a feel-good prayer consistent with our God should make our life easy version of Christianity. It is not the typical, Lord, bless me, keep me safe, help me have a good stress-free day where I'm not inconvenienced, I'm not interrupted, all the lights are green, I get a good sparking spot, and my kids are well-behaved. In el nombre de Jesus, amen. So I know some of you will be tempted right from the get-go to say, no way, I refuse to pray it because you've already had your fair share of this in your life. But what I'm about to teach you is one of the most dangerous and powerful prayers there is. And if you dare pray this, God will answer it. So you guys ready? Today I wanna teach you to pray, God, break my heart. Break it, crush it. Strip me of all comfort, ease, and apathy. God, break my heart with what breaks yours. Now, who here wants some of that? Because not this girl, okay? I know what it feels like to have my heart broken, and it is way too painful. So I actually want the opposite of pain. I want a stress-free day all day. No problem, no heartache, no grief, and muchas gracias. I've had enough pain during this world pandemic to last me a lifetime. Am I right, church? Type amen if you agree. But here's the thing. No pain, no gain. And to be clear, the kind of pain that I'm talking about is pain with a purpose. Now this sounds like an oxymoron, but it isn't because pain in the hands of Jesus has purpose and not just any purpose, but the kind that actually changes lives, has eternal impact and divine purpose. How would you like some of that now? Uh, 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 type amen if you agree. So let's unpack this church. Today, what I wanna do is I wanna invite you to take a look at the life of an OT, that's for Old Testament legend, called Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah opens with the news that the wall surrounding Jerusalem is in bad shape. And Nehemiah is a Jew living far from Jerusalem and working as the cupbearer to the king. And what I'm about to read to you now is the story of a man whose heart broke for his people so much that he walked away from wealth, comfort and prestige so that he could help his suffering brothers and sisters rebuild the wall of their city. The words of Nehemiah, in the month of Kislev, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. Now, let me just pause and say, you may feel like you're reading straight out of Lord of the Rings, so let me explain. Nehemiah was in the citadel of Susa, which is nothing else than the castle of the king of Persia, what's modern day Iran today. 
King Artaxerxes is in the throne and Nehemiah's friend Hanani visits him in the palace where Nehemiah lives and he shares some dismal news. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is, what's the word church? Broken down and its gates have been burned with what? Fire. Now, if you're wondering, what does it mean to be in exile? It just means that the people of God, the Jews, had been taken away from their homeland and they were exiled in Babylon. They were refugees. And the walls of their city were burned down and the gates were in ruin. Rubble, ruin, burned to the ground. Have you ever seen a smoldering car, a car wreck on the side of the road? That's what Nehemiah is looking at. And so watch his reaction. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah receives a visit from his pal Hanani and he asks him one simple question. ¿Qué pasa, Hanani? ¿Cómo estás? How's everyone doing back home in Jerusalem? And Hanani responds, uh, not too good, amigo. The wall that protects our city has crumbled. Many have lost their homes and are now homeless. And the city gates, man, they're burning with fire. It's in smoking ruins, okay? But, um, well, I guess, how are things for you? Now watch Nehemiah's emotional response. When I, meaning Nehemiah, heard these things, I sat down and wept. Nehemiah is crying. He's weeping. There's tears in his eyes. He's broken hearted. How do we know? Because the Bible says, for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now let me tell you what this means. Okay, we all know mourning is when you're grieving. It's painful, it is painful to mourn. But Nehemiah didn't just mourn, Nehemiah fasted. Now we all know that fasting is giving up food for a spiritual purpose so that we can come closer to God. But did you know that the original meaning of the word fasting means to cover your mouth with your hand? And so I think, oh, of course, I get it. Like I'm not gonna be eating food, so I'm gonna cover my mouth. Fasting is what you do when something in your life, you hear something that makes you go, oh, they lost the baby. Oh my gosh, wait, but she was getting better. What do you mean she died? Oh. Have you ever had something happen to you that makes you go, no, it can't be. And it makes you cry out to God? That's what Nehemiah was feeling. And by the way, Nehemiah's heart was broken because without walls, the city is defenseless. It is vulnerable to attack. The city walls are a symbol of its strength. And this was the city of God Almighty. And with the walls broken down, it meant God must be broken down too. It was tragic and terrible news for the people of God. Church, do you remember when the Twin Towers fell in New York City? 
It's one of those things where you just say, I will never forget where I was. There was heartbreak for the people in the building, but it was also a symbol of this nation's strengths. That's what's happening here. Okay, and Nehemiah didn't live in that city, but his heart was for God's people. And because God was gonna use Nehemiah to do something about this situation, God first did something in Nehemiah. Because did you know, that's how any great work of God begins. God works in us before he works through us. And so I have to wonder, what breaks your heart? What is broken in your world? that breaks your heart because you know it breaks the heart of God. And by the way, when I talk about something that breaks your heart, I'm not referring to something that interests you spiritually or something that annoys you or a good deed that you enjoy doing every now and then, like delivering food to the poor. What I'm talking about is a gut-wrenching burden that consumes your thoughts, that doesn't let up, and that it will gnaw at you until you don't have a choice but to act. You have to do something because the pain it produces causes a holy hurt. And the feeling that you get is the very opposite of the feel-good version of Christianity that says that God exists for you. It's the opposite of a Christianity that says it's all about going to church studying the Bible and avoiding the most serious sins. And everybody said, amen. Can I be honest? That kind of gospel actually has a hole in it. What I'm talking about is the whole gospel, which is a heck of a lot more than the idea that God exists to make your life better, to take away your pain, to fill you with blessings, to make you prosperous and to make you comfortable. It is the opposite of if you can see it, you can be it. And if you can name it, you can claim it. What I'm getting at here is the idea that God's greatest blessings come from God's greatest breakings. What if the most special blessings of God comes out of the very pain that moves you to care for people on his behalf? What would happen if God breaks your heart for what breaks his and blesses you with a holy hurt and a holy burden? A holy burden is what my dad, who I call Papi, how I call him, feels for Puerto Rico and the people of Puerto Rico. You know, my dad, grew up poor in a very poor area in Puerto Rico. It is called Barrio Golpeavisa en Vega Baja, Puerto Rico. Now that's a mouthful, I get it. But through hard work and with God's blessings in his life, my dad actually overcame the poverty that he grew up with and he went to college and he went to seminary. But he has never forgotten the place that he came from. And that burden that God has placed in my dad's heart is the reason he actually refuses to leave the country that he calls home. Puerto Rico has gone through hurricanes, bankruptcy, earthquakes, and when everyone else, all the doctors, the lawyers, the elite people of the island has left Puerto Rico, including his daughter and his two grandchildren, my dad says, I will never leave this place that I call home. 
I am staying because I know what poverty is. And in God's hand, that pain has a purpose. In God's hands, I'm going to love and I'm going to serve and I'm going to minister to the people of Puerto Rico. And if that means that I have to live six months without electricity, after Hurricane Maria decimated the island, that's okay because any personal discomfort is nothing compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ and showing his love to my people, my fellow Puerto Ricans. Church, you have no idea what hangs in the balance of your decision to embrace the burden that God has placed in your heart. For my dad, me papi, what's hung in the balance is a lifetime of service in the local church and to the people of Puerto Rico. My dad was bold enough to say, God, break my heart. Break my heart for the poor, for this country that I love, and use my experience, transform it into a holy pain and a holy burden for your glory. Remember, church, God's greatest blessings come from God's greatest breakings. And listen to me now. You may be afraid to pray, God, break my heart, but I say you can afford not to pray it. Too much hangs in the balance between a broken heart and what God can do with it. And Nehemiah understood this tension very well. He was a man whose heart broke for the things of God. And remember I told you that he was the king's cupbearer? Do you know what that job actually means? It means that every day, Nehemiah would bring the king his cup of wine, but first, Nehemiah actually had to taste it to make sure that it wasn't poisoned. So his job was to die in place of the king. Now, at first glance, that doesn't sound like a great job, okay? But in reality, if you're going to be that close to the king, then you better believe that you are going to be well taken care of and in a place of comfort. But one day, God interrupted Nehemiah's cozy life and broke his heart. God placed in him a holy burden to help people in a city he didn't even live in. Nehemiah 1.4 tells us that as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. No doubt, Nehemiah was concerned about the welfare of his people. But more than that, we actually sense in his prayer something much bigger. Nehemiah wasn't just feeling a social concern. It wasn't just a physical concern. It was a holy concern. And have you ever had such an experience? Your heart is broken over something and you can't sleep, you can't eat, and you just sit there and you cry? I actually had that experience happen to me about six weeks ago. You see, I'm a Latina. I wasn't born in the US. I didn't grow up in this country. English is my second language. And my heart has a natural bent towards minorities and people of color. But I also have a heart for people in law enforcement 
because some members of my family, including my brother, who is also brown, works in that environment. And when I heard the news and I saw the images of the murder of George Floyd, I was heartbroken. Heartbroken for my black and brown friends, many of whom attend Liquid, but also heartbroken for my friends who are cops who also come to Liquid. I felt this crushing grief. And you guys know I once heard that the opposite of shallow, it's not deep. That the opposite of shallow is personal. That once something becomes personal, it becomes deep. And that's what this was for me. I was deep in heartbreak, in repentance, in lamenting and confessing to God my own shortcomings in the process. And on a Friday afternoon, at the end of that long week, man, I was exhausted. But I was trying to push through and I decided I was gonna do some stuff around the house and I put on my earbuds and I started listening to This Is A Move. And I started praying and I said, Lord, we need a move. We know that wonders are still what you do. And all of a sudden, I felt this overwhelming force press down on my heart and it crushed me to the point where I couldn't physically stand. And I fell to the ground. In fact, I went prostrate with my forehead pressed to the floor and I, all I could do was weep for the sin and the evil of racism, for the suffering of the black people, for police officers and their families who are working under enormous stress, and for the Latino population to which I belong, who is suffering so much during this pandemic. I cried till I had no more tears left. I felt like Nehemiah must have felt weeping and mourning and praying to God. God was breaking my heart once again for what breaks his. And why is this a dangerous prayer, you ask? Because now that God has put this holy burden in my heart, I cannot do something. I have to actively engage with this burden. And the thing is, this heartbreak, it's not going away. It's with me every time, every time I Zoom with one of my black or brown friends and they share their experiences with me, heartbreak. Every time I check in on friends, on my brother who are police officers and I think about their families and how stressful it is, heartbreak. Every time I open an email from someone hiding behind legalism to avoid confronting their blind spots, heartbreak. The walls in the story of Nehemiah had crumbled and burned with fire. And that's exactly what I felt looking at this country. Nehemiah's heart was broken with a holy concern that was put in him by God, by divine design. And because he embraced this holy burden, God used him to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And a great risk to himself, he went to the king and he asked, may I go and rebuild my broken world? Here's what Nehemiah 2 tells us. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, 
I took the wine and I gave it to the king. I hadn't been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. Nehemiah's heart is broken. So when he's in the presence of the king, the king of Persia, and he brings the king his wine, he lets his feelings show, okay? He wears his heart on his sleeve. And Artaxerxes is like, pero chico, what's wrong? ¿Qué te pasa? Like, why the sad face? And look at Nehemiah's response. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And the king responds, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. The king grants Nehemiah's request to go back and rebuild his broken world. Yes, Nehemiah's heart was broken, but God didn't just leave him with a broken heart. And that's because his pain had a purpose. See, God breaks your heart so that you can rebuild your world. And that's exactly what Nehemiah does. Scripture doesn't tell us why Nehemiah reacted the way that he did upon hearing the news of the demise of his city. I actually think Nehemiah's broken heart was born, yes, out of sadness, but it was more than that. It was a righteous anger to fix it, a holy anger. He didn't just sit there and wallow in his pain and throw himself a pity party. He said, I'm going to do something about this. It is unacceptable for this to lie in rubble and ruin where we're gonna restore it to the gleaming city of God that it once was and it forever shall be. Who's with me? Venga muchachos. I have to wonder I have to ask you, church, what breaks your heart? And I don't mean what makes you sad. What makes you mad? What makes you burn with a holy anger? What's the explosion that's gonna light up the powder keg of your heart and make you say, I need to do something about this. Can you type it in the chat? I dare you to type it in the chat, to let me know what breaks your heart, because maybe you already know, or you have an inkling of what it is. Go ahead, tell us. Nehemiah was a Jew who was born in exile. And while he was living in comfort, he didn't forget about the people that he came from. God had given him much, and to whom much is given, much is asked of. Nehemiah embraced his holy discontent and God changed the direction of his life. All because God breaks your heart so that you can rebuild your world. Nehemiah's journey had the full power of God behind him. And did you know that the Bible is actually full of people just like Nehemiah? 
people whose hearts broke for the things of God. And because they were willing to embrace the breaking, they experienced enormous blessings on the other end. They were able to actually rebuild their broken world. Uh, like I think about Moses, a young Hebrew boy who watched again and again and again as the Egyptians beat and beat and beat his people into slavery and his heart broke and broke and broke over the mistreatment and the oppression and the slavery of the Jews who were held in captivity until one day, one day filled with righteous anger, Moses stands in front of the most important person at the time, the Pharaoh, and he says, you let my people go eventually becoming the leader who led the Israelites out of slavery and into freedom. Before he could rebuild Israel, God broke Moses' heart. Or, or I think about David, you know, when he was a, a young shepherd boy, the whole nation was at war. And David was completely discounted in the process because he was too small. In fact, if you read the passage, his father sends him out to bring some snacks to the real men in the battle lines. And there David sees a great big man named Goliath who was talking trash about God and the people of God. And something broke in David's heart. His heart burned with a holy discontent for what he was witnessing. I think some people may think David was born with righteous anger. I actually think David was upset. He was filled with this holy discontent because people discounted him because of his size. He knew that in God's eyes, he's the perfect size. And you know how I know? Because in my Bible, David speaks Spanish, okay? So he has a little bit of that Puerto Rican swag. And so he stands up and he goes to Goliath and he says, who are you to come against the armies of the living God? Quien eres tu? Everyone here thinks I'm too small to defeat you. I say you're too big to miss, sucker. Juanito, hand me a stone. And with this one single act of holy defeat of the giant named Goliath, David runs toward the fulfilling his destiny as one of the greatest kings of the people of Israel. Break my heart. I dare you to pray it because if you do, I promise you, God is going to break your heart and he's going to shake you out of your comfort zone. He's going to stir you with a divine burden that you simply can't ignore. So get ready to ache. Now, I don't know what will break your heart, what pain you already may have experienced. It might be the pain of the abuse or the abortion that you've experienced, the addiction that you lived under, the bankruptcy or the business failure you're experiencing, the racism that you've endured as a minority, the prejudging you endured as a police, the mental health challenges that you live with. Can I tell you that God sees your pain and he wants to make you whole. And if you're not feeling any pain today, this still applies to you. You don't get a free pass. And I don't want you to miss this because this is important. Not all of God's breakings come from pain. Sometimes God's breakings can come from other things like righteous anger. 
that's what happened to Nehemiah. God interrupted his life, put a holy burden, a holy fire, a holy anger on his heart for his people to the point that he asked the king with much respect, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Nehemiah asked to be released from his position and be allowed to go and help his people. And so don't miss this. At the time that God breaks Nehemiah's heart, he's in a position of stature, connections and resources, which gives him the influence to go and rebuild Jerusalem. God breaks your heart so that you can rebuild your world. Maybe you had a great childhood with Christian parents and you went to college and now you're climbing the corporate ladder. That's great because it means that break my heart for you may mean that you don't forget where you come from or who your people are or the church that you came out of and your heart fills with a holy anger for the suffering of others and it moves you to action. However the breaking of your heart comes, the truth is that God breaks your heart so that you can rebuild your world. God break my heart. When you pray this prayer, your heart will break for the things that break God's heart. And when he does, I want you to thank God that on behalf of him, you can care for the people that he loves. You see, most people actually think it's easier not to care, that it's better not to hurt, that it's better not to get involved. But the truth is, it is better to hurt with a purpose than exist without one. You thank God when he moves you. You thank God when he calls you and you thank God when he breaks you on behalf of him. Because if you're just not hurting with a purpose, you are simply just hurting. Listen to me, church. Your pain has a purpose. Can you type that in the chat? My pain has a purpose. Watch this. When God combines your pain with his purpose, he can do a miracle. And that's exactly what happens with Nehemiah. By God's grace, with the power of the almighty God behind him and with God's hand on top of him, Nehemiah performs a miracle. 52 days later, from the day that he started rebuilding, Nehemiah himself, declares the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. Nehemiah rebuilt the wall of Jerusalem in 52 days. 52 dias. I can even clean my house in 52 days. Thank you children so much. Something that should have taken years or decades, he did in less than two months. Why? Because when an anointed leader lets his heart be broken, shattered in a million pieces, it inspired an entire nation to do the hard work of rebuilding the gates. This is what happens when God takes your pain and he uses it for your purposes or for his purposes. Church, if you want to live your life with purpose and discover the blessings on the other side of your breakings, then I challenge you to pray, God, break my heart and watch 
as he transforms your pain into a holy pain and uses it for his glory. If your heart is broken because of the abuse or the addiction that you experience, that can be the holy hurt that God uses to help people break those cycles of abuse and experience the freedom that God died to give them. If your heart is broken because of the bankruptcy or the business failure that you find yourselves in this season, in God's hands, that can become a holy heartbreak that he can use to show people how to be good stewards of all that God has given them. If your heart is broken because of the racism that you've endured, God can use that as a holy hardship to show people how to become ministers of reconciliation. If your heart is crushed over the mental health challenges that have hindered your entire life, in God, it becomes a holy hindrance that points people to the security, the joy, and the freedom that they have in Christ. Break my heart, God, for what breaks yours. Church, if you pray these words, your heart will break, but you'll be driven by a higher calling and a heavenly purpose. So you tell him that you're thankful for that pain. You say, God, I entrust to you my pain, the abuse that I've experienced, the addiction that I've lived under, the suffering that I've gone through in my life, I put it in your hands. And now I thank you that in God, all things, not some things, church, not little things, not parts of things, all things work for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Church, when we live brokenhearted, we have the opportunity to reflect the glory of a God whose heart broke for you so much that he gave his own son so that you could experience his grace, so that you could experience his goodness, so that you could experience his forgiveness, so that you could experience his love. When Jesus looked at those he loved, he made a choice. He chose brokenness. His body was broken for you and his blood poured out for your sins. So if he breaks your heart, thank him because when you pray this dangerous prayer, it will wreck you. But I promise it is better to hurt with a purpose than exist without one. Don't insult God with small thinking or safe living. There are blessings on the other side of brokenness. So ask him, break my heart. And church, never forget that when God breaks your heart, he promises to be close to you. Psalm 18:34, my favorite Bible verse of the entire Bible says this, the Lord is close to what? Let's say it together, church, the broken hearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Are you brokenhearted today? 
because here's the good news that I have for you. God is closer than ever before. And I wanna pray for you right now. Will you pray for me, church? Let's bow our heads. God, I thank you that there are hearts right now that are broken. And so Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit through all of the cracks in our hearts, through all of the things that you're stirring, the burdens that you're bringing to mind, the brokenheartedness over things that you're helping us identify. God, I just pray that you would help us be understand what is the purpose that you have for us in that pain. Allow the people listening to this message today to turn that pain in your hands and thank you that in your hands that pain has a purpose and now we can glorify your name with the things that you want to use us to expand your world father i just thank you thank you that you invite us into this process that you challenge us to pray dangerously and i pray that you would help us lord figure out a next step to take in this process lord we thank you for the promise of your nearness and we pray all this in your son's name, amen.